I'm Colby Atkinson, and I've been going to NBC my whole life, so almost 14 years. I'll be reading from Matthew 26, 26 through 29. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat and give us just a minute. You get that mic. So last month we recognized our graduating seniors during the month of May, we've been asking students, and I know we're in the middle of June, but we still have students doing the reading. I think last week we had Brock, and it's been such a joy to see our students involved and part of our services, and uh, thank God for them. Uh, we will, they will be heading out this week, so high school camp, so be sure to be praying for them. That last song, um, I did this the first hour and uh, still want to say something because that last song was, had some really powerful words in it, whether you caught on to it or not. Um, um, when he says there, all your promises are yes and amen. Now, I know some of you might have thought I found the song, got the praise team to uh, sing the song because you know how much I just love, I loved uh, amen, but... Uh, I did not do that. That's an important, that's an important phrase. Uh, when we're talking about God's promises, they're yes. And God is good towards us. And God is faithful. And God is, is true. And that word amen, you know, so many times I think, you know, I'll, you know, I call you and say, hey, amen, you know, and want you all to say amen. And sometimes people think, well, Greg, you're just doing that to get affirmation. Or you're just trying to do that to get everybody to agree with you. Well, no, if you go back to the, in the scriptures, I was kind of a young, just really getting, or the gospel was really impacting my life and really changed my life, and I was a young man. And I remember reading the last word in the Bible is the word, amen. And the word itself literally means it is true. And I thought that was so powerful that as God in his written word, giving, his, giving us his word, says it's true. Now, I understand it was the last letter in, or last word in the book of Revelations, but I just think it's neat how God does that sometimes. But when, when God says amen, it literally means it's true because God is faithful and true to do what he has said. And when we say amen, we're saying, let it be true. And so sometimes when I'm going amen, what I'm asking is, is it true? Do you believe it is true? And, and we respond with, let it be true. Let it be true. When we hear of the, the glories of our God and the, and the grace of our God and the majesty of our God, and we just go, it is true. It is true. It is, let it be true. And our God is so awesome. And I, I love that phrase. So when I think of the, the promises of God, that they are, they are true. He is faithful to do what he said. The other, the other phrase there is, is entering into your rest, for that idea of rest, all of his promises are rest. That was a very powerful uh, truth for me in my own walk. I, I've shared it before, even pastoring and coming through this process of really not enjoying the work or enjoying 
what God was doing in my life because so much of it was based on what I did and how I was accepted and all, those, all of those things. But when we understand what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we go to Hebrews 4 and entering the rest, that what did Jesus do when he accomplished, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the Father, did he not? Because the work was finished. And the reality is because of our faith in him and what he has done, there's rest. It doesn't matter how much I do. It doesn't matter how good I am. You, you're, I always tell you, you guys, you know, you know this is real. If you're around me very long, I'm pretty sure I'll offend you or do something that'll make you upset. You know, the reality is just the reality because I'm human. But the reality is, it isn't how well I'm liked by everybody. It isn't how well that I do everything right. It isn't how well I accomplish things. I stand before the Father today in the righteousness of his son, the work of his son, and I stand there and I call him Abba Father. And you know what? He calls me his own. And we are his people. That's why I use that phrase. And I talk about we are God's people. We need to understand who we are as we walk through this world, as we live in this world. So that wasn't the sermon. That was just a little introduction as I heard this morning. That mess, that song, I was like, we can't let go of that. We have to take those truths when we hear them and we have to affirm them in our lives that we might live them out through the week. It's always easy sitting in a room where we all somewhat agree and we all kind of pat each other on the back. When we're out there in the world, in the midst of the, of, of the world and we're living Jesus and we're having an impact on the world through the gospel, then we need to remember and know who we are. We're not of this world, we're of the Son. And we're of God, his people. So anyway, I'll stop because otherwise we won't, we won't get into the rest of the message, right? Um, and it's important. If you, did not, if you did not get a communion cup on the way in, kind of raise your hand. I know I have some people back there. Pass them out. It's important to have this. This is part of the message today. I haven't done this in a long time, but it's time that we take a little bit of time, make sure that we have an understanding of what communion is and what it is and in our life of our church. I heard this morning that Buckles made it to safely to Tanzania, so he's in Tanzania right now. He made it through customs. That's always a good thing. They didn't take money from you. Um, and so he's there now. Uh, he should be headed to probably, if he isn't headed today, probably in the morning to the orphanage. So he'll spend a week in the orphanage. Then on Friday, our own Kindle We'll also be heading out on Friday, and he'll be going to the first village in the bush there in Tanzania, and he's, as a nurse, he'll be able to help with a lot of the medical. I think he's going to actually be a triage is what he told me, so we definitely need to continue to pray for them. As I mentioned a minute ago, our youth are leaving tomorrow, our high school schoolers, and they're heading out tomorrow, Monday through Friday. There'll be a camp. Let's pray that God's word uh, penetrates their hearts and they're encouraged in their growth and their faithfulness to Christ. Pray for unity, uh, that they would know and understand that the enemies of this world isn't the ones that they're going on the trip with, right? And that, the, that, they, that we're unified in who we are in Christ Jesus as well. So then after this week, then the following week is VBS. Well, always a great time of the year. I love VBS when it comes comes around and get to meet so many new people and see the kids as they're hearing the word and we have the opportunity to invest in their lives 
with the scriptures. Uh, praise God. We think we got all of our main leaders. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't help. We still, we can still use help. You can go out through the doorway to the central hub there and they can help you, direct you to where you can serve at during that week. Uh, we just need people up here serving. And if nothing else, that we as a body of believers come together and have that op- opportunity. So before we get going anymore, I know you might think we already had, but before we do, let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we come before you this morning and we ask God for your work in our lives. That Father, we don't just go around in this world in, in confusion, but the Father, we walk in the light of the truth of your word, that it instructs us, that it guides us, it helps us to know who you are and Father, who we are in Christ. Father, strengthen our faith that we might walk in truth, that we, Father, might walk after the precepts of our Lord as you would lead us and guide us, that we would understand the work of the Spirit in our lives and the Father, as ambassadors, as those who have the ministry of reconciliation, we would understand, Father, that we are to impact the world through the gospel that has so transformed us. So, Father, we ask that you would speak to us. And then, Father, as I always pray, I pray, God, you would just go past all of my own shortcomings, my own iniquities, my own sins, God, my own inabilities. And God, you just speak to us, your people. We are your people. So Lord, speak to us today in Christ's name, amen. So this morning, as I mentioned, um, is our communion Sunday. And so this morning, I'm gonna take time and kind of look at the scriptures. We, Kobe did a great job of reading on that night when Jesus would be betrayed, uh, he would be rejected, and he would face a horrific death on that night um, that he instituted to us the Lord's Supper. And so we are to continue to do that, that we would remember what our Lord had done in his, in his person, through his body, and then the shedding of his blood. I remember as a young boy, it was my grandmother who, uh, who introduced me to Jesus. Uh, if it wasn't for her, I don't know when the scriptures would have came into my life or the gospel or what Jesus has done for me. And I always remember my parents really didn't go to church, but whenever we visited my grandmother, she raised me the first four years. We go back to raise her, go back to visit her. And she went to church, I went to church. And I can remember sometimes my cousin would be there and we'd both be going to church, even though our parents didn't always go. We would be there and we'd be sitting there. And it was always cool because whenever there was communion on a Sunday we went, it was it was kind of neat because it was so different, you know, like the rest of the time we sit there and got yelled at because we were too fidgety or something, you know, but this, there was something that was going on. And I can remember, you know, when the plates would come by, you know, if we could, you know, you kind of reach in there because to us it was snack time, you know, you reach in there, grab and you know, try to get a handful, right? And then you feel this hand, you know, like, uh, you know, and like, I don't know who got those after we dropped them, but I, I do pray that they were okay, you know, but, you know, you kind of like, you kind of like, you know, grandma, we were told, you know, that was something we couldn't do. And it became very mysterious. It became something that was, was different and strange. I remember growing up, I remember being about nine and actually sitting in church and my parents had started going a little bit because I was starting to get in trouble and stuff. And um, so they thought I needed to be in church. So they were going and I can remember starting to take one and, and being stopped. Oh, you, you don't know Jesus yet. You haven't received Jesus in your life. And I'm like, okay, so how do I receive this Jesus? Is there, you know, I'm looking at the back of the room wondering, is there a door I go 
through and I talked to someone and I didn't understand, I just didn't know. And then by the grace of God and the mercy of God and the glories of God, to him be the honor uh, by, by his mercy and grace. I came to hear of the message of Christ and the good news of salvation and I responded and, and came to Christ and I began to learn of communion and what that was about and that it was a remembrance of, of Christ. It was a memorial, it was a reminder of what he had done and the importance of it. And so this morning, I want to take some time because at NBC, we have two ordinances. We have communion or the Lord's Supper and we have baptism. And so this morning, I want to talk about this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Some would say that it turns into the actual body and blood of Jesus. At NBC, we would not say that. We would not acknowledge and see that it's actually turning. As we read, as Kobe read to us, when Jesus held up the the bread and he held up the, the cup, he said, this is my body. His body didn't transfer, it's a metaphor, it's a, it's a teaching to remind us of who Christ, is, who Christ is and we're to do this in remembrance of him, that we're to remember what he had, had done. So at Mansfield Bible Church, when we come together and we partake, we recognize that it's a, it's a time to remember, it's a memorial to remind us of the truths of what Christ had done, why? Lest we forget lest we forget who Jesus is, lest we forget who we are in Christ. So it's a very important time for us to remember, to understand. So we're gonna spend the majority of our time, or really our whole time, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 and through 31. And there's five aspects of communion that I think that we need to understand when we come together. I also think it's important to understand that at the Church of Corinth, it was a church known for a lot of issues. There were a lot of issues going on within the church. And so one of those issues was the abuse of communion or the Lord's Supper and how things went about. So in verse 17, Paul writing to this church, he says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend or praise you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. I, I, I'm always shocked in these, in these moments in the scriptures when things are said like this, that when they were coming together, it was not for the better, for the worse. It's kind of like when my dad would tell me, son, uh, I'm really disappointed. Man, I just did not like hearing that. And Paul's instructing them, he says, when they come together, that phrase come together is used five times in this passage from verse 17 to the end of the chapter. Five times it's used. It's, it's used oftentimes of coming or going like on a trip or traveling together. It's the idea of the intimacy or a oneness that is taking place as they come together. In fact, sometimes the word was used in reference to kind of an intimate relationship. So often referred to a husband and a wife and the intimacy that they would experience. So it has this idea of oneness. And Paul understood that their coming together was anything but the oneness that was supposed to be taking place within the body of Christ. The very act of coming together and celebrating the gospel and the symbolic act uh, of, uh, of which they're acting out, their oneness and their unity in Christ was actually not taking place. That when there's this coming together, when we're talking about communion, there, communion brings a unity among the body. If there's one time the church is ever in agreement, it's when we come together in communion and we remember what the Lord has done. 
In fact, in verse 18, he says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. Verse 19, for there must be factions or divisions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. The, the, the in, in, in the first place is, a, is emphatic. There's no second place. In other words, he isn't saying, well, first and second and third. That's not what he's doing. He's not doing sequence. He's saying priority of his mind, the idea of what he's thinking, the priority of what he's about to say in the first place, this is emphatic. I hear there's divisions among you. I've had the opportunity to serve the Lord over the years in many different settings, many different opportunities. I don't know that there's anything more uh, disruptive in my soul than when I find out I've been part of a division. Because that's not of God. There's one God, one Father, one Lord, one Jesus, one body, one spirit. God talks about unity. Because among his people, the people of God, oneness is important to our Father. And so when we hear of division among us, when we hear of separation among us, it should break our hearts, it should grieve our souls. And it's the reason why Paul says, I cannot praise you. I cannot commend you because of the divisions that are taking place. Instead of treating one another with love within the family of God, there was divisions. Divisions are, are oftentimes so disrupted because it, it takes us away from understanding who we are in Christ instead of, instead of understanding that we are God's people and we become so focused on our own hurt, our own desire, our own desire of making something to happen our way instead of understanding God's intents and purposes. And when it comes to communion and it comes to a time that we gather together, it is a focus on what Christ did, his work, his body, his blood, what he accomplished for us. And the divisions that we understand within this context, and we learn down in the next verse, in verse 20, is a result of one being hungry and one being drunk. There was one who, who ate and had a lot, and there was one who didn't have much. When the Corinthians were abusing this, this, this time together, they had a love feast. It was very common in those in those days, so they would come together and it was a time where those who had much would share with those who had little. And there was to be provided for all, but what was going on is that when they came together, those that had a lot, they kept to themselves. It was like if you divided down the room and over here, and these are all the folks who had plenty and they're eating and, and even to the point it tells us that they were getting drunk. And over here, they had nothing. It, can you imagine the humiliation? Can you imagine... The, the neglect within the body of Christ. And Paul was grieved by this because it did not reflect the gospel that he had preached. It did not reflect the heart of our God, the intent of our God. How many times have I said, will you ever meet anybody that the gospel wasn't meant for? Every person you meet, the gospel was meant for because that's our God. He didn't come, Jesus didn't go, well, I just I kind of died for these group over here and well, sorry, guys. No, he came for all. And the picture that Paul is seeing is this, this division that's going on, and it was hardly a picture of Christian love and unity. 
It wasn't a picture of, of what God intended among his people. And then there should be oneness, there, there should be unity. And yet there was division and factions among them. And the factions weren't all bad because at least some who were genuine, who were of the right nature, were standing out, calling out those who were rejecting. In verses 20 and 20, 21, he says, when you come together, there's that word again, coming together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. You're not coming for the Lord's Supper. Why? Verse 21, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another goes, goes gets drunk. It's totally opposite of what the intent of the meal was. It was totally opposite of the intent of the purpose of what God intended. It wasn't this that, the picture wasn't this that they ate first. The picture was they weren't sharing. The picture was that they showed disregard. It was a practice in that day in the Greco-Roman world that those who had much would have these big banquets. And if they, if they had a big house and ability to bring lots of people in, they would have this big banquet. And what they would do is on one side, they would put all the, the choice meats and drinks on one side. And those who were the privileged and, and those who were the accomplished, those who were of great stature in their community, they ate over there and then just kind of dwindled down over here. So where you were in the, in the room determined your value. And now they're doing this in the Lord's Supper and it wasn't the picture of the gospel. That wasn't the picture of God's people and of his family. That's why Paul said that in verse 21, that one would have go hungry and one would be full or drunk. In fact, he, he tells us in chapter 10, if you just go over one chapter, chapter 10, verses 16 and 17 of 1 Corinthians, he tells us the intent of, the, of communion, of the tent of the Lord's Supper. In verse 16, he says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. And the picture is, is that as they're coming together in, in the Lord's Supper, they're partaking of one who? Christ eliminates. It's the great equalizer. I, I, I would like to say that only in the first century church at the, at the church of Corinth is the only ones that have that issue. But divisions continue to our day. And we have to ask ourselves some questions. We, we must. We cannot, we cannot blindly continue in our ways and think everything's good without asking ourselves questions about where we're at when we come together. Do we prefer certain people over others? It's really easy to do. Do we gravitate towards those who have money and are successful by the world standard? Do we only want to socialize with people that are like us? That's really easy. Why do we struggle to reach out to those who are different than ourselves? I'm not even getting out in the community. I'm just talking about in our own body of believers. When I was, a, been a couple of years after I had started really 
mean, the gospel was just really getting a hold of me and God was just changing my life. And, and there were so many things in my life that just, that weren't right. And God was just slowly chipping away. There was a good friend, Steve, was probably one of the best friends I ever had. And Steve and I became very close. He was a new believer. We were both just excited about what God was doing in our hearts and our lives. And we were just eating up God's word. We, we were just serving. And they called us salt and pepper because, well, back in that day, my, my hair was very, very blonde, okay? And Steve's was very, very dark. And everywhere we went, you saw one or the other. If you saw Steve, I was there or vice versa. But I can remember Steve, <clears throat> for about five weeks, had been bringing this person who asked him for a ride to come to church. And he would bring him every week, and I met him one Sunday and all, but I remember it was one Sunday afternoon or something, I went over to visit with Steve, we were gonna hang out or something, and Steve was inside his car, just scrubbing his car, scrubbing the seats and spraying in there. I'm like, Steve, what's going on, man? And Steve's like, oh, I'm cleaning up my car. And I go, well, Steve was very particular. I mean, if that was me, I, I, I wasn't always particular, but Steve was very particular. He's clean, he's all that. I'm like, what's going on, Steve? He goes, well, so-and-so's been riding with me to church. I was like, yeah, but why? And he said, well, have you talked to them? And I go, well, I guess I haven't. He said, well, they, they smell pretty bad. I said, oh, really? So I'm watching him work and clean in there. And finally, I just said, well, Steve, why do you do it? And Steve just looked at me and he said, they need Jesus. I've never forgotten those words or the way it pierced my heart. Because you see, I'm the kind of person, I'm very task-oriented. I kind of just get going. Before I know it, the day's over with, I go to bed. Get up the next day and there's just one task after it and go to bed. It's so easy for me to run past those things. And Steve wasn't like that. That's why I loved hanging around him. Steve wasn't like that. He saw things I didn't see. But I never forgot his words. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Why do, why do we go past our circles? Why do, we, why do we reach out? Because that's what Jesus did. You see, our prayer must be that we will not allow any kind of prejudice, whether it's social, racial, generational, cultural, now listen to this, to control our attitudes towards others in the body of Christ. You see, we belong to God. We are his people. And our God is very serious about unity and about oneness. You see, we've got to clean those things in our lives and not allow disunity, not allow those things to separate us, not allow those things to keep us from seeing God's hand and the way my friends saw God's hand. The second thing I realized about communion is Communion requires genuine examination. We're going to jump down to verse 27 because in verse 27 through 31, Paul says this, for whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we will not be judged. 
It's interesting when he says whoever therefore. He's really picking up back in his argumentation back in verse 22 where he's left off. Verses 23 through 26, we're used to those verses. We, we quote them all the time when we do communion. That's why I'm always so concerned that sometimes in the process we just kind of go through, through the actions and we don't understand the importance of what we're doing when we partake of the Lord's Supper. But when we do partake, we need to partake with discernment and examination. He says there in verse 27 of the one who takes in an unworthy manner. He's not talking about the condition of them that they are unworthy. He's talking about the action in which they're doing. In other words, they're partaking in a way that is unworthy. They're partaking in a way where they don't understand the full thrust of the death and the work of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why he says uh, in an unworthy manner, we'll be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. In other words, they don't understand what the work of Jesus had done in his death, burial, and resurrection implies in not only in their life, but in the body of Christ. When we, when we create divisions among ourselves and we separate ourselves, we are not reflecting the work of Christ. In fact, it, it, it just shows a disrespect that none of us want. But when we partake with discernment, when we examine ourselves, when we judge ourselves, well, the Lord will not have to. When we, when we humble ourselves, and that's what it is. When we humble ourselves and we acknowledge our weaknesses, it's not perfection. Perfection is found in Jesus. Righteousness is found in Christ. That he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be dressed, that we might be made in the righteousness of God. It's based on him, but we also are not, there's not to be any place for pride and a halty spirit whereby we look down on under others and think somehow we're better. There's not a place for that. And it takes humility that we would humble ourselves before the mighty hand of our God and acknowledge those things in our lives. So, to, so when we examine ourselves, it's not just that we are Christians, oh, I'm a Christian, therefore I, can, I receive Jesus, therefore I can partake. It's not just to see if I have sin, that's part of it, but it's to see if I'm properly discerning the body of Christ. In the unity of the body, in other words, if I'm treating fellow believers poorly, I fail to discern that they are members of Christ's body. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. How can I reject you? We might fail to understand the significance of Christ's death if we don't understand how he has redeemed those within the body of Christ. If we're ones who divide it reveals that we have little understanding of what Christ is doing within the body, what his work has done in our life. So I asked myself these questions. Do I understand the purpose of Christ's death? We're not a country club, we're not a group, we're not just a gathering. We are a people of God learning to follow Jesus. We talk about that a lot. 
learning to follow Jesus, growing in Christ, understanding. Do we understand the purpose of his death? Do I have a proper attitude toward the Lord with a grateful and thankful heart? How do I relate to the rest of the body of Christ? Another thing I ask myself, is there something I need to do to restore? Do I have aught with my brother or my sister? Is there something whereby I have to humble myself in order to restore and to correct? Those are important things that we need to look at as we partake, as we gather together. So let's take a moment in the quietness of God's presence and allow his spirit to speak to us. Just bow your head. Let's just take a minute. Is there something the spirit might be touching in your life that you don't want to ignore? You don't need to ignore it. Humble yourself before him. Lord, may your spirit have its way in our lives. Show us the things that sometimes we ignore. Show us the things that we don't understand. Lord, you've, you've been faithful over and over again to touch in my life those things that sometimes I, I forget or I don't know or I don't understand. You are faithful instructor and teacher that your spirit reminds us, enlightens us, and guides us. I pray your spirit would have his will with us today, that we would be a people that are pure, in Christ that we would be one in him, for your glory and for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Next thing the communion reminds me of, the third thing is communion reminds us of the work of Christ. There's nothing special about the bread or drink we started this a few years ago. It's nice and packaged because it isn't, it isn't just that there's something special about this, but this is a reminder. It teaches us. It reminds us of what Jesus had done. And so as we draw near to him, he is faithful to draw near to us. That when we talk about what Paul said there in verse 23, if you will read, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the picture that he did is that he was showing us his person. Here was the God-man. Here was Christ in the midst of humanity, calling people to himself, calling us to him. It tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it tells us there, it says, have this mind among yourselves. Now, don't run past that. Notice what it says. Have this mind among yourselves. If you understand Philippians chapter two, you know the first four verses of this book is talking about unity, that we're not to think too highly of ourselves, to think of others 
as even greater than ourselves. It's not, it's not an idea of where we put ourselves down. It's the idea of that we lift others up. And then we would understand that. And Paul, writing to the Philippian believers, said, have, your, have this mind among yourselves. He didn't say, you have this mind. He says, we're to have this mind among ourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is not something that cannot be accomplished. That we understand the humility and the, and the unity of the body. He says in verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, listen to this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You want to understand humility? Look at it. Is it too hard to humble yourself to correct disunity? Look at it. He humbled himself. He was our example. So when we take of the bread, and if you go ahead and pull that out of there, and we partake of the bread and we remember that the God-man walked amidst the midst of humanity, calling people to himself. And Paul said on that night that Jesus took it and he gave thanks and broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It tells us in verse 25, in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I, I wish I had time. That, that last passage had so much gold truth in it, just nuggets of truth. Well, this one does too. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22, for in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Listen to this. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. This fall, we're gonna do a study on atonement. In a day when atonement's being redefined in so many different ways, it's important for us as God's people to understand what atonement is. And why we are who we are. Is it me or did the light just change? Thank you, Lord. I'm glad you're emphasizing that. But anyway, I don't know why that just distracted me. Normally I can go on, but it did. Uh, here it's back. Thank you. All right. <laughs> but it's so important because making peace by the blood of his cross. And then he says in verse 21, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is the work of our Lord who has redeemed us and made us new. So take the drink and it said, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a continual reminder of the work of Christ for us. In verse 26, communion, the fourth thing communion reminds us is that it proclaims the gospel. Look at it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you what? Proclaim the Lord's death 
If we went over a couple of chapters in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians verses 1 through 4, Paul writing there says, I will, I, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you become vain or believed in vain. Verse three, for I delivered to you of first importance, that gospel, the first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, as you just partook, you are proclaiming the gospel. You are proclaiming the work of Christ. To God be the glory. Hallelujah and amen. It is true, it is true that God provided a redeemer. For those who would believe that there is, there is faith in the gospel, there is faith in what Christ has done, and you can receive redemption to go from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. To him be the glory and the praise forever and ever for what he has done through his son who is not dead but who is alive who was buried but raised again that through him we will live amen amen to God be the glory and the last thing in verse 6 and the very last phrase it's the one I get the most excited about I love this phrase the very last three words of that verse in verse 26 until he comes amen until he comes, Kobe read it so well today. And Jesus in verse 29 of Matthew 26 said this, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You think Jesus is looking off. He says, in that day, I will drink of that vine. I will not drink until that day in the Father's kingdom and I will drink with you. Oh, man. Hallelujah, that one day Jesus is coming. It's every time we partake, I know he's coming again. He's coming again. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, the Apostle John writing says, Beloved, we are, not, we are God's children now. We are God's people. We are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now listen to this. And everyone who thus hopes in him, in Jesus, purifies himself, for he is pure. Amen? Amen. Dear people of God, as we partake today, I pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by the truth of the gospel, that you knew of his goodness. And if you don't know Christ, that the day before you leave, that you would know Christ, you would make a decision and understand who he is. I will be at the back, would love to talk to you. Would love to share the good news of salvation with you. Would love to make it known of God's goodness. You see, communion brings oneness, doesn't it? Communion teaches us of, of the work of Christ and that we should examine ourselves. And it teaches us that he is coming again, the gospel that we hold. Let us pray. Father God, speak to us, your people. Let us not stay stuck in our, in our blindness, but Father, let us open our eyes to see the truth of your word and the impact of the gospel in our lives. Let us not grow weary, Father, 
seeking after you and following you. Let us not grow in such a way that, Father, somehow we become apathetic, that the, Father, these things would just become routine, but that, Lord, we would thirst for you to know you, to rest in you, and that, Father, you, by your faithfulness, would move us with your spirit, that, Father, we can do no other than to stand on the truth of who Christ is. It's to you be the glory and the praise forever and ever, Lord, for you are the King of kings, and there's no one like you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.